Yeah, it's finally nice to talk to you. Other than text, it's so nice just to see what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing, to be honest. I don't think anyone else my age, even that I know, is trying to do the work that you're doing. So it's really refreshing to see that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, I mean, I I feel the same. Like, there's, I, I don't see anyone else, like you said, my age doing what I'm doing or caring enough. Um, I'm sure people care when they hear about it, but, um, and I, I can't expect everyone to just go to Africa. But, um, yeah, it, it is a shame that more people don't want to do it. I know you're going over to Tanzania soon, is it? You're going over there? Yeah, in November, uh, early November. Um, yeah, so really excited about that. How long are you going for? So this is just going to be, I, I'm doing it a scoping out trip. Um, so it's just going to be like a month to six weeks um, uh, to scope things out and identify what needs to be identified Um and because uh, you know I, I plan to be there for a long time um, and have a, a fairly big team with you know people of different professions and different abilities um, to help in various different ways so <clears throat> I thought rather than just going over there you know for a long time with loads of people without having been there myself seen how it is um, I thought best just go for a short period of time with a very small team to just suss things out. Okay, yeah. And like your small team, is that like family or friends who have agreed to go over? Or have you sussed these people out or like how many are coming with you? Yeah, so it's three of us and um, it's actually my girlfriend is coming. No way. Um, uh, and and then another girl called Maddie, uh, and she's from New York, and she reached out to me on Instagram, um, like many people have done. She just said, hey, I, I love what you're doing, what you've done in Malawi. Um, I have been to Tanzania. I've worked with girls who have gone through FGM, um, and I'd love to help you. And we just got chatting, and, um, you know, I said, do Come with me to Tanzania, and she said, "Yeah." So we've been speaking for a few months, and um, yeah, so it's just three of us: me, uh, Maddie, and my girlfriend Abby. Unreal! So a little team going over, a little squad, sussing the place out, seeing what's up. Yeah, yeah. I don't want too many people in this <clears throat> initial trip. I've had, you know, a few friends say, oh, "I'll come with you," um, but I don't. Uh, not that I follow these kinds of like um, rules or what you know, like little phrases like "of oh, three's a crowd." And no, I, I don't follow those sorts of things. But um, I do think like if it was more than three or four trip, then it, it would be a bit like there would be too many minds trying to get a bit messy. Things. Yeah, like just don't really you know deviate from the original plan. Like if you know what you're going to be setting out to do, absolutely. 100 yeah. percent um just obviously not everyone on my page when i do be sharing this will know exactly who you are um so if you just give it like a bit of background like who you are and like why you're doing what you're doing and explain like a bit about fgm you know just for the yeah. people who don't actually know what it is either sure so um who am i uh my name is jesse <laughs> i'm 26 i'm from uh, a 
town called Hemel Hempstead in Hertfordshire, which is about 15, 20 miles out from central London. Um, I, uh, I've, I've done kind of many things in my life. I've, football was my life for years. I went to America on a scholarship to play there. Um, I've played in a few countries in Europe, didn't make it big time, so kind of gave up on that dream of being a footballer. Um, I've worked in construction, I've coached kids football, uh, I've kind of done a few different jobs. I've worked for a top recruitment firm in, in the city, in London. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of me in some sort of nutshell. Um, why I'm doing what I'm doing, um, it, it all started when I was eight years old and I was watching one of those programs uh, like either Comic Relief or Red Nose Day. Do you remember those? Programs? I remember watching them vividly with my parents and having a little little cry. <laughs> exactly what happened to me. I, I was eight years old. I was watching it with my mum. I think it was Lenny Henry that was presenting it. And, um, he, you know, they showed all these kids in Africa in, like, extreme poverty. And I'd never seen that before. Um and I was just crying my eyes out. And I said to my mum, like, why have these kids got nothing? I don't understand. Um, why have I got all this, all these clothes, and they've got nothing? Um, I can't remember what her answer was, but it, it wasn't satisfactory. When, when you're kids, though, it's just put so simply, isn't it? Like, why, why do they not have anything, and why do we? Like, what gave us the permission to have these things and entitlements? It's just the place you were born, and it's unfortunate. Do you know what I mean? So, so since then, literally, like, every week of my life, I said to my family or friends, oh, I'm going to go to Africa, I'm going to go to Africa and help people. Um, so, yeah, it's just been, like, then, um, among other things, like football and sport and whatever. But, um, yeah, and then when I was 17, I went to Kenya for about 10 days with a, a local charity that partnered with my school, um, and, you know, I had a great time, but looking back now, uh, we just kind of touched the surface. We, we went to a very poor area in the Samburu district in Kenya. Um, we painted a few schools. We gave a few, like, kids some clothes, and I played football with some of the kids. Um, but we really didn't do much. Um, and that kind of gave me a, a, a real-life taste of Africa. I know Africa's huge and very vast and, and I've received a lot of criticism online for literally saying the word Africa. Um, I've seen the, the comments, word. I've seen the comments myself, we can get into that in a bit. <laughs> but um, that gave me, you know, a taste for Africa, um, not that I needed it to keep the, the fire burning, but um, I had that taste and then, uh, yeah, last year in July I got made redundant from my job. Um, as a recruitment consultant in the city because of COVID. And I, um, I booked a one up to Malawi uh, and was there for six months and um, did various different things. The kind of main thing I, I was focused on was trying to end child marriage um, or working against child marriage. It's really bad in Malawi. 45% um, of girls are victims of child So, um yeah, that, that was the kind of main thing. And then as well as that, I coached a football team. Um, I, I taught English. I 
put loads of kids into school um, and, and various other things. But um, yeah, and then here we are now in 2021. Do you think it was kind of a blessing in disguise that you were made redundant? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Because if I wasn't, because um, I, I had kind of settled into that city life, um, I I was I was twenty three or twenty four when I got that job, and I was around all of these young people, twenties, you know, some thirty who were earning like two hundred grand a year, um, and I broke into that like almost the Wolf of Wall Street type life, if you like, very fast paced. Um, yeah, and not that I, you know, completely forgot about Africa and my passion for doing that, um, but it was very much at the back of my mind, um, you know, and I thought for the next two years, right, I'm going to earn loads of money and, you know, be a real high-earning city man. Um, and then, yeah, so you're completely right. Um, it was a blessing in disguise that I got made redundant. I'm so happy that that And... I know yourself just from the interview that you put out over your social medias. Um, with Hebo, is that is that the way you pronounce your name, Hebo? Hebo, yeah, that's it. Like, Hebo how Warden. how did you meet her? Like, did you suss her out, kind of find her, or was it just how did it happen? So I had been messaging Hebo for about three years, two or three years. <laughs> finally, you finally cracked it. Yeah, um, she, you know. I wouldn't say she was ignoring me because because she must get I've been around her but she gets hundreds of messages a day. Mm-hmm. Um, tried her on everything: Instagram, Twitter, email, um, and yeah, just couldn't get through. And then um, I actually think my videos that went viral on TikTok. I think she, she might have come across one of them either on Twitter or Instagram or something, and she replied to my messages on Twitter. Um, I love what you're doing and I'm sorry about all the criticism that you've received. I think you're amazing and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I said, Oh my God, like, I think you're amazing. You're like my hero. I've been trying to contact you for ages. Um, and then we just met up. She lives in London and I live in London and we've met up and, um, and we've formed a a really great friendship and she's taught me loads, um, about and about her journey. Um, and, uh, yeah, we kind of aim, we're, we're aiming to kind of partner up. Um, she's not necessarily part of this trip to Tanzania that I'm doing, but, you know, I'm in contact with her all the time and, um, you know, she helps me so much, but she can't leave the UK at the moment. She's got family and she's busy, so, yeah. With um, FGM, do you want to just give a little explanation of what it's about? I know there's three different types, but even if you want to just explain it briefly. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, I'm by no means an expert, but um, <laughs> it stands for female genital mutilation. Um, some people call it FMC, female genital cutting. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it happens mostly in Africa and the Middle East. Uh, the, the, the stat that is commonly thrown around is 200 million women and girls alive today have been cut. Um, that's, uh, you know, according to the UN. Um, and WHO as well. Um, you know, it's done on, on girls that are, you know, some of them are aged like three, four, five. Some of them are a bit older, like 11, 12. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the practice has no health benefits whatsoever. 
Um, the big question when anyone hears about it is why do they do it? And that, you know, if you ask a hundred different people, you'll probably get a hundred different answers. Um, but the, the underlying thing and what Hebo teaches is that it's all about controlling women and con in particular controlling their sexuality. Um, so, for example, in Egypt, 90% uh, of women have been cut and um, they say um, that over there it's to stop women's sexual urges. So, um, for example, you know, if a woman's driving a car and she's on a bumpy road, the vibrations that go through her body and into her clitoris will make her want to have sex and cheat on her husband. So they remove all of that risk and, and remove the clitoris um, and other parts of the vagina. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's barbaric. Um, it's, you mentioned... It just, the logic behind it is just mind-blowing. Like, it was a cultural thing. I was like, do you know, like, being um, more pure for marriage as well. Do you know what I mean? And on the night and just even the side effects from it, I was reading, I felt sick. I genuinely, Jesse, I genuinely felt sick looking at it. Like, it's so heartbreaking that girls have to go through this. And it, like, you know, just even reading about Hibo and her, like looking at her talks, the just the emotion in it, and like it was her own. It's it, the worst thing is it's your own family doing it, and you think that it's, you know, it's it's a part of growing up. You just think that's the norm, but when you're outside the way she was, and you're looking back, you're realizing how you know. Excuse my language, fucked up it is. It's absolutely ridiculous that any woman has to go through that like it's complete violation of human rights and I understand why you have such a drive to be going over and at least trying to help get a team ready and everything so you were saying about scoping out um while you're over there for a little while or so what is the plan when you come back to the UK what's the next phase the next step good question <clears throat> um my plan is uh... When I return to the UK, um, I will kind of regroup and, and gather all of the information and experience and knowledge that I will have gained from being out there. Um, and, and really, the, the aim is to set up or create my own organisation um, slash charity, uh, NGO. I, I know there are many different types of NGOs or non-for-profits and the, the kind of technical terms you have to be quite specific and um, you know I must admit I'm not 100% clued up on all of that I've done a bit of research um, it's kind of later yeah, down the line yeah yeah ultimately I just want to have my own organization um, whereby I will be able to apply for funding from the government um, hopefully different governments um, in, in different countries and um, businesses and, and whatnot and I think it would just make my work um, more credible you know rather than what who I am now I'm just a guy um, with a cause uh, I've got a few thousand followers on social media um, and those who have been following me for a while you know do know that I'm credible um, but yeah I just think creating an organization will make things easier i'm sure it makes some things harder um like all the paperwork stuff 
Um, but I've got good people around me. Um, so, yeah, that's the plan. And then once I've done that, I, I aim to go back out to Tanzania and other African countries for, like, a long, long... Um, you know, this isn't just, like, a, a, a kind of one-off thing or, you know, I've been to Malawi for six months, now I'm going to Tanzania for six months. It's not like that, you know, it's, like, what I want to do. Making a life. mark, making your mark, dedicating your career and your life to it, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I just think, you know, I've, I've lived 26 years, more or less, in the West, um, and I've been fortunate to live in many different countries. I've lived in America, Germany, Spain... Um, the UK and uh, 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 you know I just think that like we're on this planet there's seven odd billion of us and like some of us are fine and great and we have this life of luxury and that's not our fault there are these other people uh, you know on the other side of the world who are like suffering um, every single day and it could be stopped um, you know, these aren't people suffering due to like natural disasters and, and stuff like that. Um, born into so, it. I just think as humans, we owe it to each other to just help each other out. Um, yeah, that's it. And TikTok, I think it was gas because that's how I saw you. It wasn't on TikTok; it was on Instagram that I saw your video initially. You know, putting your videos out there, and then did you wake up and just see that it blew up one day, or what way did it unfold? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I wasn't very good on TikTok. I didn't, you know, know how to do it that well. it together. <laughs> um, and I just thought, oh, I've got all these videos and pictures on my phone from my time in Malawi. Um, why don't I just give TikTok a go and put some videos together? So, yeah, that first one I did where it kind of opens with me saying during COVID I went to Africa. Um it just, yeah, it just blew up, not even overnight, literally in about an hour. Uh, Stop. I was on something like 5,000 views, and, and then literally in an hour, on like 500,000. Um, and then it, in the space of a week, I had 2 million views, and it, it, TikTok lets you kind of view the analytics, and 99% of my viewers were from the UK. So, um, I'm sure there are some mathematicians out there that might, but um, I think, uh, or some of my friends told me that within a week, one in every 26 people in the UK had seen my TikTok. The tube, yeah, people were like, oh, you, Jesse Clark, who made that TikTok? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was me, what you want? <laughs> then I made another one, um, uh, that you know, had like millions of views as well and I think altogether now I've got something like 7 million views on my videos um, yeah yeah so TikTok's great TikTok's great in that way like I feel like social media has the habit of making you know the wrong people famous but in your case it's actually for a good cause you know what I mean like I'm glad you blew up the way you did because you, you go on TikTok and there's some amount of shite on it isn't it you, you get like endless scrolls whereas when you come across a video like that it resonates with you and I think it's good the fact that you know you can blow up within like you said an hour and how many people have seen it from like what it may be what I don't know how many views you were getting beforehand or even on Instagram how many followers but to be able to go from one to 100,000 that quick is just 
phenomenal like that's the i suppose the pros of tiktoks and social media and everything when you have a good cause like yourself and then something like that happens it's just i suppose it's easier for yourself to be able to spread awareness more now and get your point out there and like like you said you've got loads of people saying like i'll come along with you so maybe in the long run you know you'd have a better support system when you're moving away or if you ever need any help from someone resources wise absolutely um you know, I, I often said to people, uh, you know, I went to Milan with about two and a half pounds in my bank account, just my personal money, and 2,000 Instagram followers. Um, and I had a, a huge effect out there and helped so many people. But then, you know, this is a bit of an extreme example, but if Drake went out to Malawi with his hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank and his hundreds of millions of Instagram followers, he would have such a bigger effect and help so many more people. So, um, you know, I, I didn't necessarily um, seek out to be famous. I'm not necessarily famous now, but um, I've got a lot more social media followers than the average person. Um, so, yeah, you're right. You know, the more followers I get, then the, the, the more we're going to be able to help people that need it. And, and that, you know, that is it. I wouldn't... I don't care about being famous for my own game. It, you know, just to get the point I across. Out there, um, and you know, if I get loads more followers and more fame and more money comes my way, then you know, I'll I'll do the same. Um, so yeah, I'm really pleased that I have blown up the way I have. Uh, but um, yeah, with you know, this is just kind of the start of the journey. I I, I hope that my organization movement touches millions and millions and millions of people and i hope that everybody not everybody i hope that so many more people want to go to africa and help people or uh, not just africa you know the people suffering in other places but um yeah um and obviously i've seen your questions your q a's and stuff like that there's one boy that sticks out and his name is sam <laughs> what's the story with him how is he i know you keep in contact with him and you know you 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 had a special bond with him i suppose when you went over um i heard i think there was talk of trying to get him and his family over to the uk is there any more progression on that or what's the story there no progression on that unfortunately um i'm broke uh listen i'm so sorry to put you on the spot like that (laughs) It's, it's a it's a great talking point um yeah there's no progression on bringing him over uh, him and his family over i i still really want to do it and they are, are desperate for it to happen as well um but they're aware you know that i don't have money um and there's a lot more to it than just having the money uh, there's all the paperwork and visas and, and stuff like that but Long it remains process. that you know i i really want to do um <clears throat> but yeah, the, the story about Sam, um, I I met him, you know, when I first arrived there in Malawi. Um, his mum, Regina, um, works f- for the guy whose house I was staying at. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, um, And he has a sister called Trinity. So Sam was five when I met him and straight away. Um, he's just turned seven now, actually. Um, and... Uh, Sam's dad died of HIV AIDS um, a couple of years ago 
Uh, and um, I mean, when I met Sam, it, you know, I thought, wow, what a fun, um, bright, enthusiastic kid. Um, and we kind of clicked straight away. And then, I, I, you know, when I look back now, um, I I think I saw in Sam a, a bit of myself. You know, my dad didn't die. Well, he isn't dead. Um, but I didn't have a dad growing up. Um, and I, I hate the idea of young boys and girls growing up without a father figure. Um, Barack Obama famously said, you know, it's the number one problem in America today, fatherless homes. And um, especially out there in Malawi, like the third poorest country in the world, um, you know, not having a father just makes their already incredibly hard life even harder. Um, and I think I just saw myself in him and, and you know, I, I wanted him to be loved and um, I had love to give and, and we just clicked and uh, it was kind of like a, an older brother, younger brother relationship as well as a father-son relationship and I got on really well with his mum and he just adored me and I adored him and every time I had my keys in my hand or I was leaving he said, where are you going? Where are you going? Can I come? And I said, yeah, of course. So he came everywhere. Um, and I, I, I supported his family, you know, the whole time I was there, uh, financially, I, I bought Sam his first school uniform. I, I paid for his school fees that his mum couldn't afford. Um, and bought him English. Um, and yeah, you know, paid for food for their family um and you know what yeah it's just like even everything you're saying there like you're doing from your heart and it's so it's so heartbreaking then to see people being like what's he doing thinking he can go over and like you know take over like the the white the white savior syndrome at the end of the day is just you know i was looking at the comments and i was just getting so frustrated and angry looking at it because that mentality just because of the color of your skin you can't go help someone else you know um it it, knowing what you're doing over there and helping a family out such as sam and like the genuine bond that people don't see behind the cameras you only document what probably one percent of what you're doing over there um it's it you know it's just heartbreaking to see that and the comments as well jesse that you're getting like you, you you need to turn them off i wouldn't be able to be reading through them uh well Luckily, I get a lot more love than I do hate. Absolutely. Um, and, but, I mean, it, you know, it's, I suppose it's difficult to talk about this particular topic without it being, you know, so political and, you know, your, your political views coming into it. But, yeah, the whole white saviour claims and things, um, yeah, they're just ridiculous. And uh, I think I said in one of my Q&As, you know, I, I used to kind of laugh at these idiots um, calling me a, a white colonizer and a, a, a white savior, but I don't laugh at them anymore. I actually um, I don't get upset about them, but I take them really seriously now, and, and I and, and I think they're actually like awful um, because these people are essentially saying, right, don't go over there and stop that girl getting raped. Like, let that girl continue to get raped. Or in Sam's case, don't go over there and. Um, help put Sam in school, let Sam be, you know, don't feed them, let them starve. Um, <clears throat> and, and they just kind of don't understand. And, and it's so uh, f- f- 
uh, ironically funny that the very people who claim to be against racism are the very people who are obsessed with race and make everything about race and you can't go there because of your skin color and it's absolutely absurd and I, I said this as well on Instagram, you know, me and what I describe as my people, my friends, my family, you know, the color of your skin is literally the least important and interesting thing about you. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just think those kind of comments and claims are, are ridiculous and actually really harmful because it, it's going to put other people off. You know, all these young people who watch my TikToks and are inspired by it. Um, who want to go over there and make a difference. They're going to now be reading all of these comments from some of them high-profile people, and these comments get loads of likes, and they're going to be reading these comments thinking, oh, I can't go to Africa because I'm white. And it's just ridiculous. And, and if these people were to go and ask <clears throat> the, my Malawian friends that I helped, um, <clears throat> if they were to go and speak to them and say, oh, yeah, um, you know, it's bad that Jesse came over to Africa because, you know, he's white or whatever. They would, my Malawian friends would be like, are you out of your mind? He, he helped us so much. And, you know, um, so, yeah, they just don't have a clue. They sit behind a keyboard um, and they don't have a clue. Um, yeah, I have said before on Instagram, I don't doubt that there are people of whatever skin colour, light, whatever, um, who do go to Africa for the wrong reasons and, and do bad things. Um, but I'm certainly not one of them, and nobody should be made to, um, you know, the default setting shouldn't be, oh, he's a white savior going over there for the wrong reasons. Um, people just see things and accuse, and, and they've got no idea, and it's really harmful. It's easier to do, I suppose, over text than actually, you know, like, have a good informed opinion about it you know like you see the good with the bad and make your middle and have your own opinion whereas people just type and don't think that's the thing um as well with coming home like i know you've been over twice and this is this your third time going over yeah yeah, yeah third um what's it like coming home to the uk then like you know the the big difference the societal difference the cultural difference everything from being over there helping out seeing the conditions that some people live in and obviously the problems that come with it like FGM um child soldiers the rape over there the epidemic over there is ridiculous um ridiculously high and then coming home like obviously each country has their own issues like the UK and stuff like that um with crime rates and stuff but at the moment I mean you coming from a place like that and coming home and having a bed to sleep in having you could get a job like that do you know what I mean so I suppose, in short, what's it like coming home? It's it's strange. It's really strange. Um, I'm conflicted because, you know, uh, on the one hand, I'm really angry at the West and um, our lack of uh, interest in what's going on in some people's lives in other parts of the world. And I'm really angry at the, the money that people piss away. Or, um, but then on the other hand, you know, the West is a great place and it provides so much opportunity for people. And um, I am Western and, uh, you know, my mum is and I love my mum and she's not a bad person. And, you know, there aren't, not everyone over here is a bad person. The majority of people are good people. Um, 
so it's hard for me to find that balance you know like for example you know people our age in in cities like london or dublin or whatever uh you know they're they're splashing like i don't know 60 pounds on 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 some drugs or or whatever or or a hundred pounds on on some drinks for them and their mates and and like you know on the one hand uh, you know i i'm not annoyed at them because it's the way we live here but and then on the other hand i'm like oh my god if you just don't spend that 60 pounds on a bag of coke and <laughs> and put it towards something like for example like what i was doing um like the impact it would have is just unbelievable you would like transform someone's life with 60 pounds you know you could send someone to school for like I can't even do the math. Probably like two years in Malawi. Um, so it's 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 difficult. It's difficult it to deal is. with it. And do you know what? Like you're saying, they're not right or they're not wrong. But you know, people our age, I feel like because they've been they've been born into it, they they don't see any different. They just see what they've grown up with, and that's normal. But like they need to be shown, and as much as like they need to be shown, and that's exactly what you're doing. It's also their responsibility to be able to look up these things and know what's going on around the world you know like it's it's their responsibility um and i feel like people choose to ignore what's going on as much as it's just a news report away they can tuck away their phone and go back to life normal life as as they know it you know um two years in school for you know bag of coke two years in school it's it's not the difference isn't it um god it, yeah it really is and and actually interestingly like this particular kind of topic has come up because literally in the last few days i've been sort of saying this to my friends and girlfriend and family um i've recently shared my gofundme um to you know because i don't have the money myself to do this so i'm kind of relying on people that are invested and interested in my journey to help me financially help these people um, and I've put my GoFundMe up and, you know, put the post up on Instagram and uh, I'm, I'm like quite annoyed at my friends, you know, people I went to school with, people I've known for years um, because they're not sharing my post, they're not donating and I, I suppose maybe I need to be careful here about what I say and like, you know, it's not necessarily everyone's responsibility to donate and help and blah 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 blah, but it, it just is quite. It's sadly like ironic that in this age now where everyone has become an activist, you know, everyone posted a black square for Black Lives Matter, um, or everyone's posting about Israel Palestine, whatever their views are. Everyone's posting about Afghanistan and like uh, you know. And then when someone comes along, and in my case, you know, so I'm aiming this at, like, my friends or people I'm in school with, mm. someone comes along doing, like, the work out there um, Not just in, in Africa. Yeah. Not about it. No one's donating. No one's, you know, sharing my post. I, I have to ask people to share my post. And, and my mum said, oh, why don't you just ask Jack and Charlie and Phil to share your post? And I'm like... That's not the point, ma'am. They should be sharing anyways. Absolutely. No, like you shouldn't have to ask your friends. You shouldn't have to ask people you've grown up with. If they know exactly what you're about and what your mission is, I suppose they should just do it because they know you and they're exactly up for your cause and what you're doing. Um, It's like just supporting your, your mates. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, I find that a bit mad that like, you know, 
they're not donating to your cause. And like I said, like it, well, it wouldn't be so annoying and so strange if like they never posted about political struggles or or, or or things that struggles that people go through. But they are they like they've all become social media activists. You know, I'm I'm putting that in quotation marks. Um, they're all posting about what's going on in Afghanistan and blah blah blah. blah. And I'm like, hello. Hello, I'm here. And can I ask you one question? Were they happy enough to post your original video when it blew up? Were they happy enough to share that around? Mm, No, not not many of them did. A few people messaged me like, oh, like some of my mates said, oh my God, how come we've got so many more followers now? Some people messaged me and said that. And I'm like, well, have you not seen like the video? And they were like, oh no. Yeah, people are just kind of like, watching my followers go up and and like they don't even know why um so yeah it's it's really annoying i can understand that that's frustrating yeah yeah and maybe this is a bad trait of mine but i like uh, I've, i've got no time for that i don't chase people so you know i've kind of got like no time for my friends anymore like not all of my friends but a lot yeah. of my friends, or a lot of the people I know, I've, I've just like got no time for them anymore. I just feel like if I was at some sort of gathering with them, like a party or something now, I, I couldn't look them in the eye and speak to them because they would probably bring it up. They'd probably be like, oh, I saw what you did in Africa. That's great. That's amazing. Blah, 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 blah. It just, it just shows me that it, it, it really is all for show. You know, people posting about bad things going on in the world and blah, blah, blah. They're just doing it to fit in and be like, hey, look at me, I am a good person. I do share this about Palestine or Afghanistan or whatever. Um, but then when 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 push comes to shove, they're nowhere to be seen. And maybe I'll look back on, on this podcast and these words I'm saying and, and feel like, oh, maybe I was a bit too harsh or a bit strong there. But right now, this is the way I feel. And, um, and I'm quite disappointed, yeah, and, and a lot of people that know me and... I know people on Instagram who message me, who are like interested in what I do, who are so rich. You know, they, they, you know, the people on yachts and like buying Rolexes and blah 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 blah, blah. and they donate. Even if they donated like a tenner, that would be amazing. But with, with people with money, yes, and say if you know, maybe you don't have the funds um, extra to donate, at least sharing, I suppose, um, is better than nothing. But yeah, that that's literally the reason why I'm doing this is literally to just talk to you about your cause and what you're doing and why it's so good, especially in 2021. Like you said, when people are just trying to fit in and say like, you know, I'm sharing this, I'm sharing that, I'm a good person. But you're there doing the work on the ground, and I just think it's amazing. So fair play to you, Jesse. I think more should, people should be following in your footsteps, absolutely. And thank you for coming on with me today. It was so nice to be able to talk to you. Yeah, it was really, really nice. I, I you know, I love speaking about it. And, um, maybe, you know, hopefully we could do it again. You know, maybe when I've returned from Tanzania or, or whenever.